Chapter Six, Part Five of Miss Lulu Bet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Lulu Bet by Zona Gale. Chapter Six, Part Five. Cornish had ordered six new copies of a popular song. He knew that it was popular because it was called so in a Chicago paper. When the six copies arrived, with the danseuse on the covers, he read the words, looked wistfully at the symbols which shut him out, and felt well pleased. Got up quite attractive, he thought, and fastened the six copies in the window of his music store. It was not yet nine o'clock of a vivid morning. Cornish had his floor and sidewalk sprinkled, his red and blue plush piano spreads dusted. He sat at a folding table well back in the store and opened a law book. For half an hour he read. Then he found himself looking off the page, stabbed by a reflection which always stabbed him anew. Was he really getting anywhere with his law? And where did he really hope to get? Of late, when he awoke at night, this question had stood by the cot, waiting. The cot had appeared there in the back of the music store, behind a dark sateen curtain with too few rings on the wire. How little else was in there nobody knew, but those passing in the late evening saw the blur of his kerosene lamp behind that curtain, and were smitten by a realistic illusion of personal loneliness. It was behind that curtain that these unreasoning questions usually attacked him when his giant wavering shadow had died upon the wall and the faint smell of the extinguished lamp went with him to his bed, or when he waked before any sign of dawn. In the mornings all was cheerful and wonted. The question had not before attacked him among his red and blue plush spreads, his golden oak and ebony cases of a sunshiny morning. A step at his door set him flying. He wanted passionately to sell a piano. Well, he cried when he saw his visitor. It was Lulu in her dark red suit and her tilted hat. Well, she also said and seemed to have no idea of saying anything else. Her excitement was so obscure that he did not discern it. "'You're out early,' said he, participating in the village chorus of this bright challenge at this hour. "'Oh, no,' said Lulu. He looked out the window, pretending to be caught by something passing, leaned to see it better. "'Oh, how'd you get along last night?' he asked, and wondered why he had not thought to say it before. "'All right, thank you,' said Lulu. "'Was he—about the letter, you know?' "'Yes,' she said, "'but that didn't matter. "'You'll be sure,' she added, "'not to say anything about what was in the letter?' "'Why, not till you tell me I can,' said Cornish. "'But won't everybody know now?' "'No,' Lulu said.' At this he had no more to say, and, feeling his speculation in his eyes, dropped them to a piano scarf, from which he began flicking invisible specks. "'I came to tell you good-bye,' Lulu said. "'Good-bye?' "'Yes, I'm going off, for a while. My satchel's in the bakery. I had my breakfast in the bakery.' "'Say!' Cornish cried warmly. 
"'Then everything wasn't all right last night?' "'As right as it can ever be with me,' she told him. "'Oh, yes, Dwight forgave me.' "'Forgave you?' She smiled and trembled. "'Look here,' said Cornish. "'You come here and sit down and tell me about this.' He led her to the folding table as the only social spot in that vast area of his, seated her in the one chair, and for himself brought up a piano-stool. But after all she told him nothing. She merely took the comfort of his kindly indignation. "'It came out all right,' she said only. "'But I won't stay there any more. I can't do that.' "'Then what are you going to do?' "'In Milton yesterday,' she said, "'I saw an advertisement in the hotel. "'They want a chambermaid.' "'Oh, Miss Bet!' he cried. "'At that name she flushed. "'Why,' said Cornish, "'you must have been coming from Milton yesterday "'when I saw you. "'I noticed Miss Dye had her bag.' "'He stopped, stared. "'You brought her back.' "'He deduced everything.' "'Oh,' said Lulu, "'oh, no, I mean—' "'I heard about the eloping again this morning,' he said. "'That's just what you did. You brought her back. "'You mustn't tell that. You won't? You won't.' "'No, course not,' he mulled it. "'You tell me this. Do they know? I mean about your going after her?' "'No. You never told. They don't know she went.' "'That's a funny thing,' he blurted out, "'for you not to tell her folks, I mean right off, before last night.' "'You don't know them. Dwight'd never let up on that. He'd joke her about it after a while.' "'But it seems... "'Ina'd talk about disgracing her. They wouldn't know what to do. There's no sense in telling them. They aren't a mother and father,' Lulu said." Cornish was not accustomed to deal with so much reality, but Lulu's reality he could grasp. "'You're a trump, anyhow,' he affirmed. "'Oh, no,' said Lulu modestly. "'Yes, she was. He insisted upon it. "'By George,' he exclaimed, "'you don't find very many married women with as good sense as you've got.' At this, just as he was agonizing because he had seemed to refer to the truth that she was, after all, not married, at this Lulu laughed in some amusement and said nothing. "'You've been a jewel in their home, all right,' said Cornish. "'I bet they'll miss you if you do go.' "'They'll miss my cooking,' Lulu said, without bitterness. "'They'll miss more than that, I know. I've often watched you there.' "'You have?' It was not so much pleasure as passionate gratitude which lighted her eyes. "'You made the whole place,' said Cornish. "'You don't mean just the cooking?' "'No, no, I mean, well, that first night when you played croquet, I felt at home when you came out.' That look of hers, rarely seen, which was no less than a look of loveliness, came now to Lulu's face. After a pause, she said, I never had but one compliment before that wasn't for my cooking. She seemed to feel that she must confess to that one. He told me I'd done my hair up nice. She added conscientiously, That was after I took notice how the ladies in Savannah, Georgia, done up theirs. 
"'Well, well,' said Cornish only. "'Well,' said Lulu, "'I must be going now. "'I wanted to say good-bye to you, "'and there's one or two other places.' "'I hate to have you go,' said Cornish, "'and tried to add something. "'I hate to have you go,' "'was all that he could find to add. "'Lulu rose. "'Oh, well,' was all that she could find. "'They shook hands, Lulu laughing a little.' Cornish followed her to the door. He had begun on, "'Look here, I wish,' when Lulu said, "'Good-bye,' and paused, wishing intently to know what he would have said. But all that he said was, "'Good-bye. I wish you weren't going.' "'So do I,' said Lulu, and went, still laughing. Cornish saw her red dress vanish from his door, flash by his window, her head averted and there settled upon him a depression out of all proportion to the slow depression of his days. This was more. It assailed him, absorbed him. He stood staring out the window. Someone passed with a greeting of which he was conscious too late to return. He wandered back down the store, and his pianos looked back at him like strangers. Down there was the green curtain which screened his home life. He suddenly hated that green curtain. He hated this whole place. For the first time it occurred to him that he hated Warbleton. He came back to his table and sat down before his law book, but he sat, chin on chest, regarding it. No, no escape that way. A step at the door and he sprang up. It was Lulu coming toward him, her face unsmiling but somehow quite lighted. In her hand was a letter. See, she said, at the office was this. She thrust in his hand the single sheet. He read, Just wanted you to know you're actually rid of me. I've heard from her in Brazil. She ran out of money and thought of me, and her lawyer wrote to me. I've never been any good. Dwight would tell you that if his pride would let him tell the truth once in a while. "'but there ain't anything in my life makes me feel as bad as this. "'I suppose you couldn't understand, and I don't myself. "'Only the sixteen years keeping still made me think she was gone sure. "'But you were so downright good. "'That's what was the worst. "'Do you see what I want to say?' "'Cornish read it all and looked at Lulu.' She was grave, and in her eyes there was a look of dignity such as he had never seen them wear. Incredible dignity. He didn't lie to get rid of me, and she was alive, just as he thought she might be, she said. I'm glad, said Cornish. Yes, said Lulu. He isn't quite so bad as Dwight tried to make him out. It was not of this that Cornish had been thinking. Now you're free, he said. "'Oh, that,' said Lulu. She replaced her letter in its envelope. "'Now I'm really going,' she said. "'Good-bye for sure this time.' Her words trailed away. Cornish had laid his hand on her arm. "'Don't say good-bye,' he said. "'It's late,' she said. "'I—' "'Don't you go,' said Cornish. She looked at him mutely. "'Do you think you could possibly stay here with me?' Oh, said Lulu, like no word. He went on, not looking at her. I haven't got anything. 
"'I guess maybe you've heard something about a little something I'm supposed to inherit. "'Well, it's only five hundred dollars.' His look searched her face, but she hardly heard what he was saying. "'That little warden house, it don't cost much. You'd be surprised. Rent, I mean. I can get it now. I went and looked at it the other day, but then I didn't think—' He caught himself on that. "'It don't cost near as much as this store. We could furnish up the parlor with pianos.' He was startled by that we, and began again— that is, if you could ever think of such a thing as marrying me. But, said Lulu, you know. Why, don't the disgrace? What disgrace? asked Cornish. Oh, she said, you, you. There's only this about that, said he. Of course, if you loved him very much, then I'd ought not to be talking this way to you. But I didn't think. You didn't think what? that you did care so very much about him. I don't know why. She said, I wanted somebody of my own. That's the reason I done what I done. I know that now. I figured that way, said Cornish. They dismissed it. But now he brought to bear something which he saw that she should know. Look here, he said. I'd ought to tell you. I'm, I'm awful lonesome myself. This is no place to live, and I guess living so is one reason why I want to get married. I want some kind of a home. He said it as a confession. She accepted it as a reason. Of course, she said. I ain't never lived what you might say private, said Cornish. I've lived too private, Lulu said. Then there's another thing. This was harder to tell her. I... I don't believe I'm ever going to be able to do a thing with law. I don't see, said Lulu, how anybody does. I'm not much good in a business way, he owned, with a faint laugh. Sometimes I think, he drew down his brows, that I may never be able to make any money. She said, lots of men don't. Could you risk it with me? Cornish asked her. "'There's nobody I've seen,' he went on gently, "'that I like as much as I do you. "'I—I I was engaged to a girl once, but we didn't get along. "'I guess if you'd be willing to try me, we would get along.' "'Lulu said, "'I thought it was Di that you—' "'Miss Di? "'Why,' said Cornish, "'she's a little kid.' "'And,' he added, "'she's a little liar. "'But I'm going on thirty-four. "'So am I.' Isn't there somebody? Look here, do you like me? Oh, yes. Well enough. It's you I was thinking of, said Lulu. I'd be all right. Then Cornish cried, and he kissed her. And now, said Dwight, nobody must mind if I hurry a little wee bit. I've got something on. He and Ina and Monona were at dinner. Mrs. Bett was in her room. Di was not there. Anything about Lulu? Ina asked. Lulu? Dwight stared. Why should I have anything to do about Lulu? Well, but Dwight, we've got to do something. As I told you this morning, he observed, we shall do nothing. Your sister is of age. I don't know about the sound mind, but she is certainly of age. If she chooses to go away, she is free to go where she will. 
"'Yes, but Dwight, where has she gone? Where could she go? Where—' "'You are a question-box,' said Dwight playfully, "'a question-box.' Ina had burned her plump wrist on the oven. She lifted her arm and nursed it. "'I'm certainly going to miss her if she stays away very long,' she remarked. "'You should be sufficient unto your little self,' said Dwight. "'That's all right,' said Ina, "'except when you're getting dinner.' "'I want some crust coffee,' announced Monona firmly. "'You'll have nothing of the sort,' said Ina. "'Drink your milk.' "'As I remarked,' Dwight went on, "'I'm in a tiny wee bit of a hurry.' "'Well, why don't you say what for?' his Ina asked. She knew that he wanted to be asked, and she was sufficiently willing to play his games, and besides she wanted to know. But she was hot. "'I am going,' said Dwight, "'to take Grandma Gates out in a wheelchair for an hour.' "'Where did you get a wheelchair, for mercy's sakes?' "'Borrowed it from the railroad company,' said Dwight, with the triumph peculiar to the resourceful man. "'Why I never did it before I can't imagine. There that chair's been in the depot ever since I can remember. Saw it every time I took the train, and yet I never once thought of Grandma.' "'My, Dwight,' said Ina, "'how good you are.' "'Nonsense,' said he. "'Well, you are.' "'Why don't I send her over a baked apple? "'Monona, you take Grandma Gates a baked apple. "'No, you shan't go till you drink your milk.' "'I don't want it.' "'Drink it, or Mama won't let you go.' "'Monona drank it, made a piteous face, "'took the baked apple, ran. "'The apple isn't very good,' said Ina, "'but it shows my good will.' "'Also,' said Dwight, it teaches Monona a life of thoughtfulness for others. That's what I always think, his Ina said. Can't you get Mother to come out? Dwight inquired. I had so much to do getting dinner onto the table I didn't try, Ina confessed. You didn't have to try, Mrs. Betts' voice sounded. I was coming when I got rested up. She entered, looking vaguely about. I want Luli, she said and the corners of her mouth drew down. She ate her dinner cold, appeased in vague areas by such martyrdom. They were still at table when the front door opened. Monona hadn't ought to use the front door so common, Mrs. Bett complained. But it was not Monona. It was Lulu and Cornish. Well, said Dwight, tone curving downward. Well said Ina, in replica. "'Lulie,' said Mrs. Bett, and left her dinner, and went to her daughter, and put her hands upon her. "'We wanted to tell you first, Cornish said. "'We've just got married.' "'For evermore,' said Ina. "'What's this?' Dwight sprang to his feet. "'You're joking,' he cried with hope. "'No,' Cornish said soberly. "'We're married. Just now.' "'Methodist Parsonage. "'We've had our dinner,' he added hastily. "'Where'd you have it?' Ina demanded, for no known reason. "'The bakery,' Cornish replied, and flushed. "'In the dining-room part,' Lulu added. "'Dwight's sole emotion was his indignation. "'What on earth did you do it for?' he put it to them. 
"'Married in a bakery?' "'No, no,' they explained it again. "'Neither of them, they said, wanted the fuss of a wedding.' Dwight recovered himself in a measure. "'I'm not surprised, after all,' he said. "'Lulu usually marries in this way.' Mrs. Bett patted her daughter's arm. "'Luly,' she said. "'Why, Luly, you ain't been and got married twice, have you, after waitin' so long?' "'Don't be disturbed, Mother Bet,' Dwight cried. "'She wasn't married that first time, if you remember. "'No marriage about it.' "'Ina's little shriek sounded. "'Dwight,' she cried, "'now everybody'll have to know that. "'You'll have to tell about Ninian now, and his other wife.' "'Standing between her mother and Cornish, "'an arm of each about her, "'Lulu looked across at Ina and Dwight.' and they all saw in her face a horrified realization. "'Ina,' she said, "'Dwight, you will have to tell now, won't you? "'Why, I never thought of that.' At this Dwight sneered, was sneering still as he went to give Grandma Gates her ride in the wheelchair, and as he stooped with patient kindness to tuck her in. The street door was closed. If Mrs. Bett was peeping through the blind, no one saw her. In the pleasant midday light under the maples, Mr. and Mrs. Neil Cornish were hurrying toward the railway station. End of chapter 6, part 5 End of Miss Lulu Bett by Zona Gale